This is AJ Bowen, mediocre filmmaker, mediocre dad, good time lover, and you are now tuned into PVD Horror. Oh, Carlos, let me your ear. Pretty. All of you are very pretty. <laughs> Please love I love you. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to PVD Horror Podcast. We are joined here with our guest, actor Sam Delich, uh, the Australian actor in the upcoming film Christmas Bloody Christmas, which is going to be exclusive to Shutter December 9th. I feel like I'm yelling because I was so nervous about saying your name wrong. Delich, yeah. <laughs> so everyone is, look, I'll take Delich, Delish, Delic, uh, whatever you want. All right. Let's roll it. That works. Thanks for joining us, Sam. Uh, my pleasure. All right. So, Sam, you have a lot of cool upcoming projects, such as The Last Days of Space Age, which is the first original Australian Disney Plus series, and the second season of the uh, the hit series, The PM's Daughter. What inspired you to become an actor? Uh, oh, man, that's a hard question. Um, I sort of had an affinity to it. Like, when I was a kid, I... I I sort of, I don't know, I naturally took to it. But the thing is, I never really did it professionally until I was um, into my 20s. I, um, I did drama in high school and I was really lucky that I had a teacher that sort of saw something in me and she pulled me aside after class one day and she said, um, look, if you want to do this properly, I think you have, you have something. And I was completely unaware. I mean, I was just doing it for fun. I never... I never thought much of it. I was just, you know, doing like plays and things like that in class. And then um, as soon as she put those words into my head, I thought, oh, my God. I mean, I've loved cinema since I was a kid. Um, I actually originally thought I'd be behind the scenes when I was younger. That was something I was considering. And then uh, from there I, I said, you know, I'm from Perth in Western Australia. So acting is not on anybody's mind and, and there's no, you know, there's no Hollywood there. Let's just say that. And then um, I said, how do I do it? And I, I didn't even know what an agent was or anything. And when I was uh, I was 17, I auditioned for a couple of the bigger drama schools in, in Australia and I, I got into WAPA, which is the West Australian Academy of Performing Arts, which is sort of the equivalent to Juilliard in, uh, in America. And I was really lucky. I was one of 18 and got in, got in there and then and had the best three years of my life. And then from there, my passion just grew and I was lucky enough to, you know, leave and get an agent and it's just the usual sort of grind and, and you find yourself here. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I think you're our third Australian um, person in film, I should say, because uh, one was a, yeah. we had a filmmaker, two filmmakers, and now you're our first uh, Australian actor. So. Oh, great. Pretty cool. Um, this so this is a Christmas movie, obviously, that we're we're going to be talking about Christmas, Bloody Christmas. Uh, it is directed by Joe Bagos, who is uh, native to our state of Rhode Island here, actually. Um, so, Sam, could you just give everyone a, a just like a quick summary of the plot line for the film? Yeah, look, I mean, it's 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 relatively straightforward. It's uh, uh, set in a small town in, in rural America, and it follows uh, Tory Toombs, Riley Dandy. Uh, who's a uh, record store owner, uh, and my her employee, uh, her uh, trying too hard to get laid employee, Robbie Reynolds, played by myself. Um, 
and essentially just follows them over the course of the night and their sort of drunken shenanigans and antics. And without giving too much away, as, as the night descends, chaos ensues and they, uh, a robotic Santa gets into the mix and bad things happen. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely a crazy film. And um, I love the characters in this film. I feel like Joe did a great job making them feel so real, you know, having like everyday debates about films and music. You mm. and Riley nailed like every scene. How was it being able to work with her on this project? Oh, I mean, Riley was just excellent. I was, well, we were saying this uh, earlier this week that mm-hmm. if our chemistry didn't work out, it would have been an absolute disaster. Um, you know, you're always rolling the dice. I mean, a lot of the time you, you meet people the day of shooting or, or the night before. Uh, we met at a bar the night before and, and thankfully we just hit it off and she was excellent. I mean, she's such a hard worker. She's so incredibly talented. And to sustain a performance of, of that energy over, you know, months of night shoots is tough for anybody. And with just that much dialogue and that much action, I just thought she was so incredible. And, and we really just bounced off each other. I mean, Joe really let us both improvise a lot, okay. which was really lucky. I mean, most... Most directors, you know, they are stick to the scripts, have it word perfect. But she was incredible. She, you know, she really kept up and we would just throw ideas out there and riff and play. And, I mean, some of the uh, the long uh, Steadicam walk and talks in the in the movie, uh, uh, you know, half of that is just pure improv, which is pretty incredible. Uh, that was cool. Because I was sitting there, I was telling Dave and Josh about that, you know, like sometimes like with films like that, like it wouldn't work like that the dialogue of just walking down mm. the street. But I think you guys captured that because it just worked so f- good. And like I was saying before, it just, it was so realistic, like going back and forth, like it would it'd be like conversations that myself and Dave would have about music and films. And so it was just, it definitely worked for that film. Oh, exactly. And, and a lot of it was, I mean, a lot of it was in the original script. I mean, Joe mm. is such a big music fan and, and obviously yeah. a diehard horror fan and, he had all these references in there and then would, you know, he'd be yelling stuff out behind the mo- behind the behind the monitor and, and tell us he'd be like, yo, fucking riff on Blumhouse, or you know, like <laughs> add, add in that alien line or whatever, you know. And then yeah. that was and that was awesome. And it's just that creative energy, I think, mm-hmm. really helps bring the relationship to life. Um, and like I said, I mean, a lot of acting in bigger budget things that I've done is, you know, A, B, and C, you learn your lines, you hit your marks, you might get a a little tweak here and there and, and then you're on your way. But this was really just open and even from a cinematography uh, um, standpoint, like everybody, uh, Brian Sowell, our, our DOP, you know, constantly improvising. Oh, you know what? The light's hitting it that way. Let's go there. Why don't we just get a shot from the roof? It was just a constant changing thing, which I think, I mean, compared to big budget things, that indie sort of collaboration is just incredible. Yeah. And like you were just saying, like how Joe was kind of like throwing things out about Blumhouse. There was one of the main topics that you guys had a debate about was uh, Pet Cemetery 2. And so I think that's one of like Joe's favorite films. Um, yes. Like, so uh, I thought I, I also feel as though that part two is definitely one of like a hidden gem. And I know in the film, Robbie has a different take on it, but I want to know what does Sam really think about that? Do, do you um, like the first film? Or this, what do you think about the, the two films? I, I've seen Pet Cemetery 1, 2, and I, I actually, funnily enough, watched the remake uh, about a month mm-hmm. ago um, with actually Jason Clark, who's an Australian actor as well. 
Um, I, I like too. I think there's there's a certain um, cheesy elements to those films that mm. you don't really see a lot today. And I, although there is definitely some homages to things like that in this film, yeah. um, I, I like the absurdity and the fun of Pet Cemetery too. Um, I think when you think about what it is, you know, it's so obscure, it's so odd. So I think it needs that campiness to it. Whereas, yeah. for example, when you remake certain films, if you take it too seriously and make it too dark, sometimes it just doesn't quite read, uh, which is what I actually think Joe's done really well with this is, is he's gone back to that sort of 80s, uh, 70s, 80s, early 90s slasher sort of vibe where there is all the characters are real, but there is a heightened element to the movie in itself. And you sort of have to lean into the absurdity of it, which I think is what makes it work. Yeah. yeah, you're right. There's like this dynamic where um, the characters are supposed to, like the relationship's supposed to look super real and the dynamics are supposed to be super real. And then there's this other looming thing following them that's like insane. So it's there- like insanity. And, and yeah. you have to lean into it. Like I said, I mean, because the dialogue at the start of the film, yeah, it's as if it's as if they're just the best of mates and they're just riffing yeah. and all, all the references as anyone would. But you're right, as soon as Santa comes in and, and it goes to, well, it all goes to, to shit, <laughs> um, you sort of have to be like, like, what the fuck is going on? I mean, I remember being on set seeing Abe Ben Ruby who plays Santa and he's amazing, but that actor is, you know, he's six foot six, six foot seven. He's huge. Yeah. And you're running down the street with this guy in a Santa suit covered in blood chasing you and there's, there's a little kid in you that goes, what the fuck am I doing right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think it's very smart to create like a holiday horror film. They become like a staple of fans and they, they become like a, like they, people start to create like lists. Like Dave, you have one that's called like holiday fear. And I notice online people already have this film in their top 10 films of Christmas. Like how did you get involved in this project? Uh, look, it, really like any other projects. I mean, it, uh, my American manager sent me this through and said, would you be interested in putting yourself on tape? just like mm-hmm. any other film would. And I don't, honestly, uh, to tell you the truth, I, I wasn't really looking at doing a horror film. Um, yeah. I think, you know, a, a lot of the time, unless you're lucky enough to be asked to do, say, a really big budget or really art house high-end horror film, your first instinct sort of goes, oh, is this just going to be another sort of straight-to-DVD, you know, mm-hmm. shit show? But I thought, well, I'll read the script anyway and see what I think. And, and within 10 pages, I thought, this doesn't read at all like a horror film. I mean, there's just mm-hmm. so much dialogue and so much believable banter, which is what I think a lot of modern horror films lack. Yeah. You know, it's, they're all about, it's either just all uh, blood and gore, you know, limbs getting hacked off or all jump scares. Whereas this, I thought, this is like reads like, like high fidelity or something like what's going on, you know? (laughs) And then when the horror elements come in, you go like, Oh, this is just so much fun. And this writing has such flourish to it that you can really picture the world. And and my initial reaction was, Holy shit. I was, um, my friend was, was next to me at the time as I started reading it. And then I, I gave her the script and she said, Sam, I don't know if you know this, but you are Robbie. Like that is you. And, and she was right. And then I, as soon as I put myself on tape, I just had a, a gut feeling about it. And Joe obviously thought the same, which was awesome. And then, yeah, I just uh, had a meeting on Zoom and things like that. And it all, uh, all lined up. I got to ask you, uh, since this is a Christmas film, 
Have you ever experienced the kind of Christmas that you're supposed to be experiencing in this film? Yeah, I mean, I mean I'm look, assuming an Australian Christmas is much different. Look, I mean, relatives relatives can get pretty scary sometimes, but <laughs> thankfully none. No creepy uncle has tried to kill me in a Santa suit. Um, no, I think that's, that's something unique about this as well, is that, you know, I, I live in Sydney, Australia. I'm from Perth in Western Australia. And our Christmases are... I'm trying to work it out for you guys at 40 degrees Celsius, which is like into the hundreds mm. uh, for you guys. Uh, super hot. You know, you're wearing shorts and having a barbecue and that's <laughs> that, that's Christmas for us here. <laughs> um, literally putting a shrimp on the barbie. But uh, in, in in the States, yeah, you're right. Like you guys, it's, it's winter, it's cold. Mm-hmm. It is that old school Christmas feeling. And I had never in my life experienced that. So Kind of being in the middle of it with all the lights and the snow machines and things like that, I, I thought it was pretty amazing. And, and yeah, it's just, it just felt, the cool thing about it is it did feel like it had that very traditional Christmas element to it. Yeah. No. You know, like it's cold, you're warming yourself up with whiskey, it's, you're in a cosy little house, things like that. Um, and, yeah, I think the environment is a character in of itself. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, since you star as a character that is really passionate about films and music, what are some of your favorite movies and songs? Uh, oh, man, that's such a, that's such a hard question. Nah. Um, favorite movie? Uh, uh, my favorite film of all time, and this has been since I was a kid, is actually the first Jurassic Park. Oh, okay. Um, solely because I think, I mean, I mean Spielberg, it, yeah, I would consider it a masterpiece, but I think it's one of those things that it holds up today because all the characters are super real in the sense of you have a heightened world of dinosaurs and all this craziness going on, which is, you know, in of itself totally unbelievable. But you have this human story to it and it's so grounded that you go, great, it's just people in an environment. Whereas I think particularly with a lot of remakes of some of these these big IPs is that um, everything is sort of not believable, if that makes sense. They've heightened Mm -hmm. every bit of the world which is sort of sad because it takes away what those what those were. So I would say, you know, Jurassic Park and, and as far as horror is concerned, I mean, The Thing is probably my favourite horror film. Okay. Um, such a brilliant contained film. Kurt Russell is obviously in his element. Mm-hmm. Peak Kurt. Um, things like that. I love the first Alien. Again, I think when you contain something, particularly a creature feature, it's really great. Mm-hmm. Um I'm trying to think of other horror films I love. I actually really love the, the Descent. Yeah, I think the Descent is a is a terrific modern horror film. Yeah. Um, what else? As far as music is concerned, look, I I listen to absolutely everything. I mean, I had my Spotify Wrapped come up the other day, and I think it said I listened to 78 different genres or something like that. Um, and I, I, the funny thing is, I, I did like some of the bands in the film, like the Ramones and things like mm-hmm. that. Um. You know, a lot of a lot of metal, modern metal, I actually quite like as well. I mean, I grew up listening to like Parkway Drive and things like that when I was a kid. Um, yeah, look, a bit of everything. I, I was doing an interview earlier today, and I, I brought up the fact that uh, John Legend's Christmas album is a secret little uh, love of mine. <laughs> I'll go. play around this hol- holiday time uh, in amongst Mariah Carey and the Michael Bublé. <laughs> Michael Bublé. <laughs> Alicia Keys just released a new one. That's not bad. Add that to hey, your look, list. I'll, I'll be spinning from Alicia. I mean, it's funny because you go into any department store or even grocery store. Of God, I was in a hardware store the other day, and it's just the same jingle bells just over yeah. and over again. Uh, and it's start. I find the the Christmas 
season starts earlier and earlier every year. Uh, I don't know how it is for you guys. It, <laughs> it's the same, literally the same. We were in September, and I think they were rolling it out. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's you know, crazy capitalist world we live in. It's just yeah. you know, <laughs> the earlier the better. Yeah, money, money, money. Right. Uh, so you mentioned that uh, much of this this character was pretty much you. So it wasn't hard for you to get into the role. Uh, what aspects of the character? And I have to ask you, because there's so many like references to movies and music. Did you basically get homework to, so that you could kind of know what you were talking about? Yeah, oh, for sure. I mean, I asked, I was really honest with Joe when I was cast. And I said, look, man, there's a bunch of obscure music and film references in here that like only the most diehard of, of fans are going to know. And then he said, no, absolutely. So he made me a Spotify playlist. Mm-hmm. Which is amazing. I had like a hundred different, you know, grungy yeah. metal bands on it, which was awesome. Um, so that was a great way to help get into character and then gave me some film references. He really did highlight Terminator, obviously, as a big yeah. influence. Sure. Um, but you know, one uh, or two. Uh, uh, well, I mean, he said two. Yeah. I think one is also brilliant. I think two is probably a slightly better movie, but there is something real OG about one that I quite enjoy. Um sure. He, he highlighted, you know, films that I, ha- I had seen that I actually brought up with him, like uh, Green Room, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, more, more for some of the, t- the grungier Tony elements of Robbie himself as a character. I mean, that, that's one of my favourite modern horror films. I think it's absolutely brilliant. Um, so stuff like that. But, but he also highlighted the fact that this, it's not going to be as heavy as, as, a pro- as a project like that. You know, there is a fun element to it. So I want you to bring that energy to Robbie. And and then yeah, it was just a bit of back and forth. And he really let me have creative control. I mean, he, I, I think you know, relating. He he's an optimist, Robbie. He's always trying to find the best outcome. And I mean, let's be real. I think his through line in the movie is he he desperately wants the girl and and wants to get laid. Yeah, um, he's I think any look any young man at some point in their twenties can relate to that. I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I certainly didn't have to work too hard for that, but um, yeah, yeah, he he really and he really let me, you know, just just riff, and and that was the best thing. I mean, the fact that I could come in, improvise jokes, improvise scenes with Riley, and he would happily shoot it. You know, if we he would come to us after we we got stuff in the can, and he'd be like, "Look, is there anything that you guys want to try that you haven't tried yet?" Yeah. Like, let's do it. There's no right or wrong. You know, even if it's just a look or a little one line or a little moment that ends up in the final cut, I think it's worth it. Um, whereas, you know, some of the bigger budget stuff I've done, big, bigger budget stuff I've done, it's, yeah, some of that creativity is is certainly lacking, I think. Sure. Yeah. I I was, like, watching the film and I'm like, I wish I could experience this film not getting all these movie references and see what it would be like watching it from like somebody who has no idea what you guys were talking about. Because I, totally. I just it's been a totally different experience. It's really smart yeah. for them to have it on Shutter because people are going to obviously, yeah. if you're watching it on Shutter, you're going to get a lot of those references. But, but in some way, I like that because you know, like I said, I, I didn't know all the references when I read it, mm-hmm. and I thought, geez, there's some you know really fucking obscure films going on here, but. Uh, Joe, you know, and particularly with his previous work as well, he doesn't make films just to please a huge audience. Yeah. He makes films that he wants to make. He makes films for horror fans. Mm-hmm. And he's, he doesn't apologise about that, and that's what I really love. Because regardless of whether you, you understand the references to the Pet Cemetery 2 or, or uh, you know, the Ramones or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you can see the passion there. You go like, oh, fuck. 
this is like so obscure that like I, I don't know I, I just love directors that don't treat an audience dumb no. yeah which is, it, which is it obvious. reminded me of a horror version of like high fidelity where throughout the movie John Cusack's just referencing music that the casual music fan would not know just random the- stuff and, and, yeah. and look that's what I love and like even even you know I, I love a lot of Joe Swanberg stuff I mean it's not horror but there's me too. a me too. There, me too. I love the the improvisational aspect of it. I mean, a lot of his films are pure improv, like Drinking Buddies and stuff like yes. that. And yep. I love and, and easy, and, and I loved I loved that there was, although very different genre wise and tone wise, I loved that there were scenes where we were able to play similar to that sort of style, where it would just be an idea that you play on, or maybe there'd be four lines, and he'd be like, "Let's just take these four lines and let's just." Mm-hmm see where this banter goes and, and you know and, and if that takes you to the other side of the room because that feels real then we're going to shoot around that and make sure we get that and that's how i think you get the best performance out of any actor mm. because and, and you know joe said this to me he, he was like sam i fucking hate marks i hate it when i fucking put a piece of tape on the ground you gotta fucking hit that it was like a fucking wooden robot and and that's true because most filmmaking is just Hit your little green piece of tape on the ground, pull focus, say your word, don't move too much, and great. But the yeah. fact that uh, uh, Brian Sowell, our DOP, and Joe, who was also behind the camera, mm-hmm. were able to move with us and, and, you know, pull focus brilliantly as well, just creates for a real world, which um, you don't see a lot of. And, and, yeah, I bring up Swanberg because I think, you know, he's one of the only ones, I think, at the moment doing stuff like that. Yeah, he, he, I, I do really, really enjoy his stuff. I think he's kind of brilliant in what he creates and i wish oh he, he's like number one one of the number ones on my list to work with i mean i just yeah the the ability because i'm a huge fan of improvisation and i just love the idea of being able to riff and then work around that mm-hmm. um yeah and it's just yeah like i said it's so rare and and i mean even in in big stuff sometimes dialogue can be so stilted so it doesn't matter how good of an actor you are i mean a mm. shit line is a shit line yeah. um yep. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't matter i mean you know we uh, we can see the greatest actors in the world you know go through absolute shit um and yeah so that's that's sort of i i think for me as well but to, and i see this more in american indie cinema than i do in australian indie cinema is is that big dialogue sort of film like heaps and heaps of banter which i love whereas mm-hmm. i love australian independent cinema but i find it's very um very dark and moody mm-hmm. is sort of uh what we do really well and we do it amazingly like you know yeah. david michaud and, and the blue tongue films guys you know the things like animal kingdom and and, no. and more recently the stranger which i thought was a brilliant brilliant film from um mm-hmm. from them and you know joel edgerton and stuff um so i think we do that really well but i think when it comes to banter and and large dialogue, I think Americans are the kings of that. Hmm. Now, uh, this film made its premiere at the Beyond Fest. Now, would you would you were in attendance for that, right? I was. Yeah. 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 Now, how was that experience? Like, uh, just being with the um the cast and crew, and then just with all the fans that were just able to see it because the pictures I have seen that everybody had like a Santa hat on and took oh, like a sick. picture with Joe, and everybody had their middle finger up. And it was just yeah, like that it was point. awesome, man. Yeah. I mean, like you know, to have five hundred horror fans, horror fans packed in a theater, uh, you know, it, it was the people that were there were 
were who this movie was made for. Yeah. And that's what was awesome was they, you're right, they did understand the references and mm-hmm. all the little jokes they got. And so to hear that laughter, to, to, to hear their reactions, and, yeah, just to have a good time, I, I think that's what I really took from it was the fact that it was a lot funnier, the final cut, than I thought it was going to be because, you mm-hmm. know, as you're shooting it, you know, you're running around screaming the whole time in your head. You're like, this is going to be the heaviest thing in the world. Yeah. But when you, when you actually see it cut together, you go, oh, that's hilarious. That moment, wow, I didn't expect that moment to be in there. So that was great. And I think any you can ask any actor the first time they watch a cut of the film that, you know, they're just watching themselves and, and holding their breath and going, oh, please don't be shit. Um, <laughs> but more recently, uh, it premiered at Monster Fest in Australia, which um, I, I was in Melbourne for last week. And it was really interesting seeing an Australian's audience perspective on it as well. Uh, again, a lot of horror fans there and, you know, they laughed in bits where the Americans didn't laugh at, you know, vice versa. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, they really highlighted the um, the chemistry between me and Riley, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. And so it, it was nice hearing that feedback because, you know, ultimately they're the, they're the main acting scenes. And, you know, I mean, I mean, action is sort of the second half of the film. The first half of the film really is a buddy drama. And mm-hmm. it was nice hearing that that dynamic worked really well. Yeah. Yeah, and the special effects, man, were just so fucking crazy in this fucking film. So it's just like a, there's a there's a scene. I'm not gonna give it away, but I like you know it was just it was totally nuts. I'm just I I can't say anything else positive about this movie, but it's just so fucking great, and I just can't wait for everybody to check this out because I think all horror fans are gonna really enjoy this film, you know. And um, just you did a great job in it, man. Oh, thanks, bro. And yeah, you're right. The the effects team did an amazing job as well. And every effect in the movie yeah. um, is practical, which yeah. is so rare. So that's incredibly a, rare. That's that goes a long way. It's really important to a lot of horror fans. It really does. And it adds, like our old school ones, you know? Yeah. Exactly. And it, and it does add to that throwback feel. And and especially, yeah. you know, it it adds to the fun element of it. I mean, there is there's moments that aren't meant to be the most real believable death in the world. Mm-hmm. There, there are moments where it does go into that heightened territory and, you know, an audience can tell that it's a body double. You know, they, they know that it's a fake head, but the fact that they can mm-hmm. see that head being crushed, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it open all we or want. whatever, yep. you know, like it, it, it does, it, in, in some ways it doesn't trade an audience dumb. It goes like, yeah, you know this is fake, but yep. let's push this as far as humanly possible. Right. Versus, like, let's just make this CGI and try to make this the most realistic death in the world, which actually in some way has a reverse effect because you're like, I can so clearly fucking tell that that's yeah. CGI. Yeah, yeah exactly. And yeah, guess- it's the same, same as the Jurassic Park thing where I brought up where it's like, you know, you build the animatronic dinosaur, it's way better than having a, a computed velociraptor. Yeah, no. exactly. And, and, you know, back to what you were saying about like the dialogue, I love the movie that the movie doesn't try to go beyond what it is. So like you have the dynamics playing out, you know, you guys are just, it's like you said, it's like the guy's trying to get laid. It's like yeah. friends and we're getting, and they just leave it at that. It's not like this secret yeah. subplot where he's like puppy love and like, we're no. like, supposed to feel sorry. No. It literally is just like, let's let this play out. And then the craziness ensues and it goes from there it doesn't try to be something it's not and i really do appreciate that no i I think that was a big thing for me as well is is the worst thing you could have done with a film is is 
yeah, create a thousand little subplots and, yeah. you know, delve so deep into uh, characters' backstories and arcs that it, you yeah. just get so convoluted. And then it takes so long until any action happens. And then, you know, and, and we've all seen films like that. And I think it's the perfect amount of fleshing out characters, the perfect amount of backstory, the perfect amount of, I mean, what it is really is just care about them and their relationship. And that's it. Mm. He just sets it up as two super, super lovable people who work in a small town. And that's what people in a small town do. They just riff about random shit. Yeah. You know, there's no, there's no big city drama going on with the wife at home, the kids and the whatever it is, you know, he's, there's no, he's not a spy for the CIA. There's no, mm-hmm. yeah, he so easily could have gone into, oh, you know, the government made this robot, so we got to go into some government. Yeah, yeah, they don't yeah. even really explain they, much. Yeah, about they, that. you don't need it. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it, is, it is what it is. It's a, it's a Santa robot Christmas film. Yeah, it's and it doesn't pretend to be anything else. Santa meets <laughs> chopping mall, and that's all it is. Like, yeah, that's, that's it, and yeah. and that's what you want. And I think, you know, I, I hope that audiences go into this just to have a good time, which is yeah. rare these days. I mean, you know, like I, I do love a, a, a deep, gritty film. We all do. But sometimes mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you, know, you just want to be entertained. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I, I've just finished watching Wednesday on, on Netflix, the, the Adams Family. And although, like, you know, story-wise, you could say it's the same as any other kids sort of show, I look at General Tiger's performance and I go, great, it's so fun to watch her. It's so great. And I'm having a good time watching this show. Right. Yep. And there is something to be said about that, I think, which, yeah, these in a such a dark world that, unfortunately, we live in at the moment, it's it's nice to just, you know, shut off for an hour and a half and watch some Christmas carnage. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what it's all about. So awesome. Exactly. Sam, Sam, I know you got to get going. You've had a busy day. You probably still have more. But um, thank you so much for joining us, man. Thank no, you. I really appreciate it, guys. Thanks, Dave. Um, um, I look forward to checking it out when it comes out. Yep. All right, everybody. December 9th on Shutter. Christmas, bloody Christmas. Check it out. You're going to love it. Have a great night. Take it easy. Thanks, guys. Game over.